I guess I gotta do it on myself. Keep it real with Jared Lawrence. It's not prowling though. Probably better off without you though. Oh, he is working. Oh, he is working. I just had another phone meeting Felt like I was all alone speaking To the clones keeping Black music soul weeping I'm a new angel and they only want the old demons Glorifying music that's abusive and a threat to us And if you got a message in your records You collecting dust up on the shelf They selling us components meant to self-destruct And shelter us and skelter in disguise And something helping us So I'ma build a bunker now In the underground surviving with that other sound Clipping magazines, repeating this ain't had to be Self-published, but we still running for covers now Imagine me and pageantries, rebranded as awards What's the difference between them auction blocks and cooning for applause? Even selling out or buying something that you can't afford It ain't a plan to keep us poor, it's just a plan to be ignored But um, I guess I gotta do it all myself It's not a problem though Probably better off without you though working oh yeah it's working oh yeah it's working welcome to keeping it real with jared lawrence i'm your host jared lawrence that was odyssey want something done and i I feel like that song is very fitting man because sometimes you know i gotta just come on here solo sometimes i'm not gonna have a guest for you guys and Sometimes people aren't available. So when you want something done, you got to do it yourself. And that's that's what it is today. So I'm back after, uh, I don't think it's a long hiatus. I think it's maybe a week and a half. Uh, I, I try to do it every week, but I ain't going to lie to you guys. I've been, the last couple weeks, with everything that's going on in the country, I've spent so much time arguing with people back and forth on Facebook that I've kind of been neglecting the podcast. And it, it, if it wasn't for people like my friends, like Courtney and Toy, who call me out and say, hey, where's the podcast? Get back to it. You know, not in a mean way, but a loving way. But just don't, spend, don't waste your energy arguing with people on Facebook. Stick to what you're passionate about and what you're really interested in. And that's, that's, that's talking. That's delivering a message that's, giving you guys something to listen to. So I felt like I had to get back on my grind, man. Um, I spent last night, I spent like, an, I don't know if it was like, maybe like an hour writing topics down, uh, which coincidentally, I got a lot of them from my Facebook. I just went back and looked at all the arguments I've been having with people. And I was like, oh, these are good topics for the show too. So I spent a lot of time last night writing topics down, uh, I got about 33, 33 topics, which of course I'm not going to get to all of them today or in this episode, because that would probably take at least three hours the way I talk. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little parched. I'm going to do an hour on this episode. I'm going to come back probably tomorrow or Saturday, and I'm going to give you another hour. And then I'm going to come back the day after and give you another. So I'm planning on doing three episodes over these next three to four days just to make up for lost time. 
Um, I don't care if I have guests or not. If I, if I have somebody to call, cool. If I have to come on here solo, you guys know I have no problem doing that either. So either way, you're going to hear a lot of me in the next few days. Maybe that's a good thing for some of you. Maybe it's a bad thing for some of you. I don't know. It just depends on how much you can tolerate from me. But there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in my life, too. As I said on the last episode, I got a job now. Give it up for me. So with that being said, some things are going to be changing. I'm still going to try to record on on the weekend, maybe maybe Sunday or Monday, because lately I've been giving them a lot of episodes on Monday. So maybe it'll be one of those days, but I still plan on doing a podcast at least once a week. My sleep schedule is probably being hit the hardest at this moment. So Monday, I have to go in at, uh, at I have to be there at 6 a.m. Uh, still not telling y'all where I work because some people are crazy. And as we've seen with, uh, these racist people these days, uh, they come for your job when you say something wrong and they try to get you fired. So who knows what people, how they might take stuff I say on this show. So I ain't telling y'all where I work. Y'all, if you really want to find out, do your research or I don't know if it's public information or not, but people be coming for you, man. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching what I say, but I'm still, giving you guys opinions. I'm still a black man in this world, in this country. So you're still going to get that perspective from me, but I have to, yeah, I have to be at work Monday at 6am. It's like an hour drive for me. Cause I live in Titusville. So I have to drive all the way to Orlando and that's an hour drive each way. I'm going to allow myself an hour and a half just because traffic, even though I'm probably going to be leaving my house around uh 4:30 in the morning. So there really shouldn't be any traffic on the road. But just in case, I'm giving myself like an hour and a half because I know how I am, man. I'm always late places, so I'm going to leave extra, extra early this time to ensure that I get there. And I got to wake up at like 3.30 because I'm not one of those people who can just roll out of bed and leave the house in 15 minutes. I know some of y'all can do it. I'm not that person. I need like an hour, bro. It's like a process. I wake up. Uh, a lot of times I spend like 30 minutes on my phone. So I'm going to have to cut that out because I'm wasting so much time waking up just looking at my phone. So very little phone use next week. Very little. I've been going crazy on Instagram this week with the Insta stories. That's going to stop next week. So if you guys are watching my stories on Instagram, enjoy them this week. I'm not going that hard next week. I'm not going to have a lot of free time to be doing that. So with that being said, yeah, I'm going to have to make some changes. Like Michael Jackson said, man in the mirror. Um, where, what was I even saying? I forgot. Now, I think I was saying something about, oh, yeah, I'm going to be waking up and leaving early, blah, blah, blah. So once I go to work, I'm going to work like eight hours and then, of course, make an hour drive back. And then I probably got like three or four hours to relax at home because I'm going to have to go to bed. By like 7.30, maybe I can push it to 8.30. But then if I do 8.30, I'm only getting seven hours of sleep. And I'm a man who loves his sleep. So I need I need eight hours of sleep. So 7.30 is probably the optimal time for me to go to bed and then wake up at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, I know what I was saying before. I was talking about how it's, I can't get ready in 15 minutes. 
So, yeah, I need an hour to get ready because I wake up and I kind of just I'm groggy for like the first 20 minutes. I got to walk around and I, I turn the radio on. I don't even know. what's. <laughs> there's probably no radio shows even on at that early. I know Ricky Smiley comes on at six. So it's going to be a lot of me just trying to wake myself up, hop in the shower, do something, man. But it takes like an hour for my whole like getting ready process. I know. I don't know if I'm if I'm like. I don't know what they call it. People, people are like, oh, you're like a girl. Uh, no, nah, I'm just, I'm just somebody who it takes some time, man. I always have a great joke when people are always making fun of me for like, oh, the way I, the way you do things, like, oh, that's how a girl does, or you're, you know, they say, oh, you're gay, which you, I don't even know, I don't think you guys can say that anymore. So y'all need to fall back with that term. But when they, whenever people say that stuff to me, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just metrosexual. <laughs> I don't even know like what it really means. I know it just me. I guess your appearance, but I'll say it to throw them off. And then I say that, and they just they don't really know what to say afterwards. They just look at me kind of funny. So I always like doing that. I always like saying random stuff to throw people off when they're like making fun of me. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting next week, man. Going to bed early. I'm not a morning person. I'd much rather be up until three thirty in the morning and going to bed at that time than waking up at that time. So. It's going to be interesting, man, but I've been I've been trying to like get uh, acclimated to it this week. So what I did is the last 2 days I've woke up at 6 a.m. Even though that's still not early enough, but I'm like easing myself into this. So I woke up at 6 a.m. yesterday and today. Well, 6:30 yesterday cuz I I was so tired. I had like I had like maybe 3 hours of sleep, so I had to hit the snooze button. And then today I woke up at 6, but I didn't go to bed till like 12 31 one o'clock in the morning so what i have about five hours of sleep today eight hours total in two days so i'm still struggling trying to adjust um i don't know man tomorrow i'm gonna wake up i gotta push it up an hour so tomorrow i'm gonna wake up at five just because i gotta start easing into that 3 30 so five tomorrow i'm trying to go to bed early but for some reason like i'm waking up early and then when it's time that I should be going to bed, I'm still not tired yet. So hopefully today I'll, I'll be in bed by like um, 10 o'clock. I don't want to be in bed later than 10. So not between 9 and 10, that's the goal for today. Uh, right now it's, uh, right now it's, what is it? 11 o'clock here? 11.05 in the morning. I've been up since 6, so five hours, man. I woke up at 6. I was out listening to some Ricky Smiley. Uh, I sat there on my phone cause I'm like, what else am I going to do right now? I don't have a reason to get dressed for anything. So I sat there on my phone, listening to the radio, just waking myself up. And then I finally was able to like get up and go to McDonald's at like seven 40. And I went and got coffee. Cause I'm like, dad, I need some coffee just to wake me up. I was only doing coffee two times a week at the beginning of the year, but now that I, I'm about to start working again. I'm like, all right, I got to get back on this coffee every day thing. I know some people hate coffee and they don't like it because I guess they say it's not good for you, but I need coffee to function, especially early in the morning. So it's going to be a must for me every day. So I went to McDonald's and I got the coffee, came back home, uh, and I made some oatmeal, you know, just got my day started early. I, I guess this is what, like, older people do. I don't know. Is this what the old people do? I feel like they wake up early and they 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 go to bed early. Maybe young people, if, if there's any young people that do this too, let me know. But 
I always felt like this was like an old people thing because I know when I used to be at my grandmother's house back in the day, like she'd be up at like five in the morning making us breakfast and then she goes to bed late or early. Um, and I know when I go to McDonald's in the morning, like all the old people be in there chilling, drinking their coffee. Like that's the meetup spot. They Well, not right now because of the whole COVID. McDonald's done pretty much shut half of the dining room down. But I used to always see them in there hanging out. So I thought like it was an old people thing. But I know there are people with jobs who have to wake up early. So salute to you guys. I'm about to be one of y'all. I'm 36. I'm about to be 37. So I guess I'm getting to that point in life where I'm I'm washed. Like this is what I got to look forward to, waking up early and going to bed early. I will say it does feel, I feel a little bit more productive being up early in the morning, even though I haven't really done much. But I just feel like I'm more productive. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm like, oh, I got the whole day ahead of me. And I feel like there's so much opportunity in the day. So there are good and bad to waking up early. I'll see how it goes. I'm going to update you guys throughout this process because it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be super interesting. So, yeah, when I was eating my breakfast this morning, I was watching the rest of the uh, George Floyd funeral. I I started it last night. Uh, This was the one in Houston. I started last night. It was like four and a half hours on the uh, on YouTube, the NBC broadcast of it. So it was kind of weird because they treated it almost like a sporting event where they had like a whole pregame show, like a whole a whole hour of just talking before the actual funeral started where they got the reporter in the streets. So I had to like fast forward that part because I was I don't I don't have time to like sit there and watch the whole before the funeral. So I was all right. I have three and a half hours for the funeral. I set that aside. I fast forwarded to the actual funeral. Started watching it last night while I was eating dinner or no, I was finished with dinner. Shout out to Sonny's. I had that. And then I was drinking tea and I was watching the funeral and I made it about, I made it to about two, two hours in. And then I was like, all right, I got to go to bed. Cause like I said, I was waking up at 6 a.m. So I went to bed and then I woke up and I, I continued it while I was eating breakfast this morning. And I caught, you know, some of the singing today and then Al Sharpton giving the eulogy, which was a really good eulogy. Uh, he did the eulogy in the Minnesota one, too, because they had two funerals for George Floyd. They had one in Minnesota and one in Houston. I watched both of them because I wanted to come in here and talk about it a little bit. And I thought he did a great job, man. Uh, the Minnesota eulogy he did was a little shorter, but it was impactful. And one of the things that stood out to me in that one was he said that people say he's always trying to get attention because, you know, Al, they say Al and Jesse are always chasing the cameras and they always want attention. And he was like, yeah, I am trying to get attention. I'm trying to get attention on these stories because no one else is putting attention on it. So that put things into perspective for me where people are always kind of blaming him and thinking he's in it for like fame and money and all that. And I think Al genuinely wants like just people to know these stories. I, I used to kind of be hard on Sharpton and Jackson early on just cause that, I feel like that's the cool thing to do. Like people are always, especially in the black circles, man, we always kind of tear them down and white people already tear them down. And then we kind of join in and we tear them down. And I used to be part of that, but as I'm getting older, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. So I've kind of shifted my focus and then, kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, hearing them out. 
And the more I've listened to Sharpton, I haven't heard much from Jackson as much from Jesse, but the more I've listened to Al, man, I think I think we owe him an apology. And I think we gotta give him his roses, man. I think we gotta <laughs> We gotta we gotta give him his roses while he's still here, man. These guys were there for the, the civil rights movement. They were there with Martin Luther King. They're they're etched in our history, they're important figures in our history. And just to tear them down like that is just not fair, man. So I would just encourage everybody going forward to maybe be more positive when it comes to talking about Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. And I think for me, it wasn't until I heard Al Sharpton on Angela Rye's podcast. Uh, Shout out to Angela Rye. If you guys haven't heard her podcast, it's called On One. It's a really good podcast about like politics and black politics and just everything going on in our community where we don't really get that news as much anymore. You know, back in the day, we had we had Ebony Magazine, we had Jet Magazine, we had these news sources, and I feel like those are dwindling as we get older. So I still make it a point to kind of listen to some of these people and get my information from them. I mean, we, we can get our information from the mainstream too, but you also want to go to the black sources because they're going to be a little more transparent, a little more honest with the conversation. And it wasn't until I heard Al Sharpton on her podcast where he just kind of broke down his whole journey, man, that it gave me more of an appreciation for him and what he's been through and just how much he cares for the community. Like I said, he gets a bad rap. A lot of people think he's only in it for the, the popularity. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I know you got to be in front of the camera. Like somebody has to be in there, the mouthpiece. Somebody has to be in front of the camera. You know, is he is he taking money from these families? I, I haven't heard much about it. I haven't heard anything really about him using them. I will say this. When, the, when I watched the funeral today, not only was it George Floyd's whole family there, he had uh, Eric Garner's family there. He had, uh, he had Trayvon Martin's mother was there. Um, I'm not sure if Breonna Taylor's family was there, but uh, Pamela Turner, like he had different families there supporting. So they're still, if they're still rocking with Al at this point, after all the stuff that they've been through, I think we should rock with him too. That's all I'm saying. So you guys rethink your, your, your stance on Sharpton and Jackson, man. Uh, like I said, I watched the funerals services were both good. Uh, there was a lot of celebrities there. But they weren't, you could tell they weren't there for the attention. They were just kind of there to pay their respects. Uh, a lot of great speakers at, the, at both of them. The Houston one, I think the one who stood out to me most, besides Al Sharpton, was uh, George Floyd's niece. I forgot her name, but she spoke, and it was just such a passionate speech about, you know, how our lives are not mattering and how we need more more justice and I'm not I'm not even doing it justice trying to talk about it if I can find it I'll play it for you guys later but it was a really really good speech all right I don't know what happened there uh I think my thing just cut off on me I was over here talking and I had to punch back in so you guys are seeing how it works man on the fly that was editing but I did find the speech and I'm gonna play it for you guys right now Hello, my name is Brooke Williams, George Floyd's niece, and I can breathe. 
long as I'm breathing, justice will be served for Perry. First off, I want to thank all of you for coming out to support George Perry Floyd. My uncle was a father, brother, uncle, and a cousin to many. Spiritually grounded and activist, he always moved people with his words. Their officer showed no remorse while watching my uncle's soul leave his body. He begged and pleaded many times just for you to get up, but you just pushed harder. Why must this system be corrupt and broken? Laws were already put in place for the African-American system to fail. And these laws need to be changed. No more hate crimes, please. Someone said, make America great again. But when has America ever been great? Those four officers were literally on him for nine minutes, and none of them showed they have a heart or soul. This is not just murder, but a hate crime. I share happy memories with my uncle. Now that's all I have, our memories. I still can't pull myself together to how he is calling out my grandma a name. I believe my grandmother was right there with open arms saying, come home, baby. You shouldn't feel this pain. No one should feel this pain. My most favorite memory with my uncle was when he played, when he paid me to scratch his head at the long days of work. <laughs> we arrived at home. We even created a song about it called Scratch My Head, Scratch My Head. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, I knew he was a comedian. He always told me, baby girl, you're going to go so far with that beautiful smile and brains of yours. Mm -hmm. Another favorite memory is when me and my grandmother was so worried. I mean, she was crying. All I remember is me saying, Granny, it's okay, we'll find a way. But I wasn't entirely sure about how we were going to get to my uncle's PJ's wedding. We had no way to contact anyone, but here comes my uncle busting through the door like Superman. <laughs> I was young, by the way, probably 10 or 11. My grandmother was always was also handicapped, and he had this big truck we had to ride in. I was wondering, how was my grandmother going to get in that truck? But he just placed her in the truck like it was light work. I never questioned anyone's strength, but it was unbelievable how my uncle and grandmother broke their backs to always see their children smile and made a way when it seemed impossible. <laughs> Quote, Tupac. I mean, Tupac, I'm sorry, y'all. Changes. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. America, it is time for a change. Even if it shall begin with more protests, no justice, no peace. My brother and basically my other mom tells me this all the time, but God says high, but he looks low. Thank you, Houston. It's always love in the hometown. And that was George Floyd's niece. Brooke Williams, um, you could hear the pain in her voice, man. It was, it was a very impassioned, passion speech. You could tell she was struggling. Um, she was hurting, but she had to get that off her chest, man. And that was, to me, that was probably one of the highlights of the funeral. That and, uh, like I said, Al Sharpton, the music was phenomenal too. Um, Neo, Neo did a great job singing. Uh, he, he couldn't even keep it together, man. Neo broke down towards the end, couldn't even finish the song. And he caught a lot of heat, too. A lot of people were talking about Neo because they said, I guess, I, he said something about George Floyd had to sacrifice himself 
or was sacrificed for us to kind of get to where we're at where with everything in the in the, that's going on with the protests and a lot of people got mad about that man a lot of people got mad um i didn't think he meant that by it i didn't think the words were probably not the best words to use but man when you're emotional sometimes you don't have the right words so so when you when you say something it doesn't come out right you're going to catch a lot of heat and that's what happened with neo man they were talking about they were talking about canceling him uh and some people probably did cancel him but watching that man's performance and how and how he he was struggling through it you could tell like how much this hurt him and how much this hit him uh he he's clarified on the comments now um he said is this let me see neo saying to cover the emotional however oh 50 states are this is i guess this is what he uh what he originally said 50 states are protesting at the same time this man changed the world changed the world for the better so i just want to personally thank george floyd for his sacrifice so that my kids can be all right later on and then uh he said, I appreciate the sacrifice, my brother. I, I genuinely do. You know what? When I was watching the funeral, I did not hear that. I'm wondering if NBC, because I watched it on NBC's uh, YouTube. I'm wondering if they cut that out. Because I honestly did not hear that. I did not. I don't know. I think they might have cut that portion out. But yeah, a lot of people got mad about him saying that. And it, it sounds like... uh. Did he double down? Let me see. He said, thanks. Thanks to the family of George Floyd for allowing for allowing me to be a part of celebrating his life and saying our final goodbye. It's hard to sing through real tears, so please forgive any bad notes. The love this man's family and community have for him is literally soul shaken. It was an honor to honor him. Change is happening slowly but surely. George Floyd's martyrdom, martyrdom was the spark long live george floyd through his children and the people that loved him and in the comments apparently somebody wrote murder is not a sacrifice <laughs> you know somebody was gonna come for him and then neo looks like it looks like he doubled down neo said yes it is i never said he was willing he was a willing sacrifice but the sacrifice of his life was the spark that was apparently needed to create the energy for change. And then he said, it's sad that it took this kind of sacrifice to finally open America's eyes, even the little bit we have. Uh, but the unfortunate truth is the world has not united like this in, this in the name of justice for black people ever. All caps. I'm addressing this comment because ignorance divides and we don't need that right now. I'm going out of my way to explain what I meant because we are all in the same fight and can't leave anyone behind. And then he, he added, I have the utmost respect for George Floyd, his family, and the unwilling sacrifice he made, all caps, for black people everywhere. All right. There you have it. Um, okay. So I, gotta, I guess I got to talk about that one. Because I thought he was mistaking, he made a mistake when he said sacrifice, but Neo has doubled down. Neo said that he meant what he said. Uh, I still think sacrifice is probably the wrong word to use. But I do, I do see 
his, his, his reasoning. I see his explanation. Yes, it was unwilling. George Floyd didn't sacrifice himself. Like It wasn't like if somebody comes up to us and is like, hey, you have to die for the world to be better. Like, how many of y'all is going to be willing to do that? So I don't know if anybody's really willing to do that as a sacrifice. But if it happens and the world changes, you probably wouldn't be mad. Right? You probably wouldn't. I'm just not, I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about you. If the world, if, if you were killed and then there was a lot of change that came from it, a lot of eye opening, a lot of looking in the mirror, you as a person who's alive right now, how would you feel about that? Like, how would you feel that you were the one had to, that had to die for that to happen? I think most of us would be okay with that, knowing what the outcome is. But like I said, if, if you know you have to die, like if, if, if somebody's asking you to die, you're probably saying no. You probably don't want to sacrifice yourself. But if you're unwilling, I think you would be okay knowing that change came from it. So I do, I get where Neo's coming from with that. Because um, I guess what, isn't that similar? Well, Jesus, Jesus died for our sins, but Jesus, Jesus sacrificed himself. It wasn't unwilling. Like, once he was on the cross, well, I don't know the Bible as well. I probably shouldn't even be quoting. But from what I believe, the stories I've heard over my years when I was a kid and all that, I believe once he was on the cross, you know, he accepted it. Maybe even as they were taking him to the cross. Uh, so, yeah, I think Jesus probably, yeah, he died for our sins. So, yeah, Jesus was probably a willing sacrifice. George Floyd, an unwilling sacrifice. That's probably what the difference is. The difference is that Jesus knew and he was still willing to die for us, where George Floyd did not know and then died for us. So I get it. All right, now that I broke it down a little bit more and thought about it, I don't, I'm, I don't have a problem with what Neo said. I don't have a problem with it. I think people are overreacting, which, of course, in this day and age, in this culture, uh, we're going to see a lot of that. But... The man doubled down. He stood by what he said, which I, I respect him for that because a lot of times when people say some wild stuff, they don't stand behind it. They like Once the heat comes, they back away, which I'll talk about a little later. So, hey, man, props to Neo for standing behind it. I thought his performance was amazing too. Uh, he said he didn't hit the notes like he wanted to, but he was emotional, man. He did a good job with it. Have y'all seen how the Republicans, though, are trying to dirty George Floyd's name now. It's getting ugly. Uh, mainly one Candace Owens who I didn't even watch the video, but apparently there's a video of her going on around on Facebook. Uh, from what I've gathered, she's basically bringing up George Floyd's criminal past, which I said on the last episode was going to happen. I told y'all they were going to bring up this man's past and that they were going to talk about what he's done. Yes, he he's done some ugly stuff in the past. I heard the story about putting a gun to his, his pregnant girlfriend's stomach or something like that. I didn't read the whole thing. I don't think that's still not a reason to kill somebody afterwards. Like, I don't know if he, if he served jail time. I didn't really go into it because to me, that story had nothing to do with him dying. Nothing. I'm sorry. It's nothing to do with that. Like if he was arrested for that, he was probably tried for that. And he was probably had whatever punishment came with that. 
So that was the past. He has changed. He changed his life. He moved away to Minnesota. We always say that we want people to change them. And when they change, we don't accept them. We don't accept the change. So I'm going to say like he changed his life and he was still murdered. So we're going to focus on what he was murdered for now, not what he did in his past. That had nothing to do with this. If y'all can tie that to this, I'm willing to listen, but I don't think anybody can. You'll probably try. You probably guys, you'll probably reach, but you can't. So yeah, they're talking about all that. And people of course are trying to like shame it now. Like, Oh, he's a bad guy. Look at this monster. This and that. Like, nah, man, he did some stuff wrong in his past. And then he died for something else. Y'all got to learn how to separate things, man. And that's something I'm having a problem with. I don't like how this country does this. Every time a black man dies, we try to villainize him or vilify him and make him like every, his whole life was bad where maybe a few moments in his life was bad. Like there's nothing you can tell me that will make sense for an officer putting your knee on somebody's neck when they're defenseless and they have no weapons on them. They have none of that on them. And I watched a video on uh, inside edition where they went to the store and they talked to the owner of that, that convenience store where George Floyd had tried to use the $20 bill, which I don't even know if people know this. The reason that police were called is because apparently he used the $20 bill. The lady who was working there at the time, she was fairly new. And then she thought it was a, a counterfeit. So she called the police. This lady didn't really know him like that. But the owner of this store said, yeah, I knew him. He came in here all the time. Like, we was cool with him. Like, if I was here working, the police would have never been called because I know him. I probably would have talked to him personally about it. But this was a new person working, and she called. And it just adds more, man. It kind of makes the story sadder because it's like, this is somebody who they knew at that store, at that convenience store. This is somebody who shopped there all the time. So the odds of him coming into a place that he goes regularly and intentionally uses a counterfeit $20 bill, I think are low. I don't think he would have intentionally did that. What, what the police have said, what other sources have said, other agencies, they've said most of the time when people use counterfeit money, they don't even know. You've gotten it from somewhere else. So, so for you to be criminalized so much about that, like sometimes you might get the fake 20 from McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or somewhere where you went and bought something, you handed them a 50 or a hundred and they gave you twenties back and they give you a fake 20. Like just cause you have a fake 20 doesn't mean it came from you. And I think that's the lesson we need to learn here. I actually saw a video on YouTube. No, it was on Twitter the other day. And this was a wild video. It was at a, a I think it, one of them smoothie places. I ain't going to say which one. Cause I don't know which one. I don't want to get in trouble, but apparently a girl was in the drive through. She tried to use the 20. They told her that the 20 was counterfeit. They said they ran it through their little machine because there's a machine you can put the bills through and it'll tell you if it's counterfeit. So they told her the money was counterfeit. She tells her parents. Her parents take the same $20 bill. They walk into the smoothie place and they try to, uh, they try to buy it. They buy something. And then they give them the 20 and the people accept the same 20. So after this, you know, it's black people, too. So the parents are pissed, bro. So somebody has the camera out already and they're like going off on the workers like, yo, 
you just told our daughter that the 20 was fake. What's up? And then they're like, well, we thought, you know, they start backpedaling. Well, we thought it was fake. We ran it through the machine, blah, blah. So she said, all right, here's the, here's the 20. Run it through the machine right now. And they run it through the machine. Comes back clean. She said, run it through again. They run it through again. Comes back clean. So at this point, she's like, you guys are just targeting her because she's black. And they're like, oh, no, what happens, blah, blah, blah. And I guess they're not understanding how serious the matter is. So the parents tell them, they're like, yo, a black man just lost his life over this same thing. So y'all need to watch how y'all treating people in these circumstances. Like, stop assuming that just because they black, they using fake money because you can get the police called on them and they can end up losing their life. And I thought it was a good lesson, man. I thought it was a good lesson because a lot of these times they'll see you and judge the money you have based on how you look. And they assume the money's fake because they don't think you can afford to have that money, even though it's a $20 bill. That's the wild part. You, you, you telling the girl it's a counterfeit because what, a young teenager, black girl, is trying to use a 20? Bro, like that just shows you there's something wrong with our society, man. Uh, in, in good news, though, the three other officers who are part of the arrest for George Floyd, or part of killing him, I'm sorry, not the arrest, who were part of the murder of George Floyd, were arrested. I don't know their names, but it, it was a black dude, a white dude, and an Asian dude. Uh, there's rumors going on that the Asian dude is related to Derek Chauvin. That's his, people are saying that's his brother-in-law. Uh, I am going to dispute those claims. That is not true. I actually talked to an Asian person. Shout out to my friend, Teresa. She told me, I don't know if I could find it, she, but she said that, uh, I think it was the cop. I think she said, Shav, no, Shavin's wife. All right, she said Shavin's wife is Hamong, which is, a, I don't know, I'm, I'm not even going to say. It's, it's something. I don't know if it's Chinese or another uh, nationality, but his wife is Hamong, and the guy who, uh, the, the Asian cop is Vietnamese. So they are two different races or nationalities. One race, because I believe Asian is the race. Um, I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm not great with all this. But they're two different, two different nationalities. So if you guys are part of the rumor that they are related, you need to dispel that with, your, with the people you've spread it to because they are not. Uh, I know there's so many, you know, Man, I don't know why people love like conspiracy theories so much and just always trying to find a connection to stuff. But as y'all are probably the people who started that. Like, oh, there has to be a connection there. Well, no, they're not. It was just a regular Asian guy and a regular white guy. No relation, but they both did evil things. Uh, the other cop, the white one, has posted bail already too, which I saw people mad about that. Um, I think my view, my view on that one is going to be a little different. Yes, he was part of a murder. I don't know what he was charged with. I think he was charged with something, something lower. He wasn't charged with second degree like Chauvin. Chauvin was charged with second degree. So his bail is like a mill. The other guy was probably a lower charge, which means his bail was probably uh, lower. And he was able to post that. So according to the laws, you know, 
he was able to post the bail. You know, I can't I can't get mad that he was able to post it. I can get mad at what the bail was. So it was probably some BS. I'm looking it up now. Oh shit, it wasn't really no BS. Um his name is Thomas Lane. And his bail was seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So he posted I'm never I'm not I've I've never been to jail. I believe you gotta post ten percent. So what is that? He posted seventy five thousand. Is that is that correct? If it is, I mean that's not that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, but I'm sure maybe his family came together. Uh, yeah, I can't really be mad about him posting a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bond. Like, if you got the money to post it, yeah, like that's what the law is. You know, you're allowed to bail out. It happens on the both on both sides, black and white. We we all have that right. So I'm not gonna get too upset about the seven hundred fifty thousand. I think I think that's a reasonable bail for him. If he's if he's charged, I think he's charged with uh the other one, the other two officers. So there's Jay Alexander, uh, Jay Alexander Kang, and To To or Tao To Tao something like that. T-O-U-T-A-O. Total. 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 I think that's his name. So those are the other two. And I think they all got the same bail, but they probably don't have the money. Like the other guy, Jay Alexander, from what I read, he's he's the black dude. He's like a light-skinned black guy. And he was new. Like I think he was still on his like training period. You know, he wasn't really he hadn't been in the force too long. And I'm not I have a little bit of sympathy for him. A little bit. I'm not saying I I want him free. I still think he needs to be charged. But he he was um he was new. He was training and he was probably just going along with what they said. He was probably scared to really say much, but what what I did hear is he he did say, Hey, you guys, should we roll him over to the side since he can't breathe? I didn't watch the video, so I don't know if what the what the facts are but what i read they said he did he did uh re- not a request but uh suggest hey maybe we should roll him over uh and that it went ignored so that's what his argument is right now for his family uh it looks bad though when you're when you're part of that even if you were new and even if you didn't agree with the way they were doing things you still sat on him or you had your knee on him too and you're in the video, so it still looks bad, and I still believe you should you should be charged. So I'm not mad about that, uh, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't think he should be getting a murder charge. He's he's charged with the you know aiding and abetting, which he did, even though he suggested they stop. But you didn't get your knee off of him, like you didn't get up off of him. So you can say, yo, I requested. Or suggested we do this, but you you kept doing it, so you probably need to face the same consequences. But like I said, I, I wouldn't give him the same as Chauvin, Chauvin, whatever his name is. He definitely needs the highest charge. These other guys, I I think the seven, like I said, I think the seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bails is is right for them. So I'm not going to argue that. If you can post it, that's part of what you're allowed to do. You know. We probably need to change the laws on that if if we have a problem with them being able to post it. Uh, 
But I believe the reason you get a bail in the first place or you're allowed to get out is because they don't believe that you're a threat to society while you're out. Uh, and you, if you're allowed to be out, you still have to come back for the trial. You still could go back to jail if you're convicted. So it's not like just because you post bail, you're free forever. Like you're free until the trial, which Sharpton made another point during the funeral. Um, he talked about how they're probably going to try to drag this trial on. Like they're probably going to take their time getting the trial to start. And I, gr- I agree with him on that. I think they are probably going to take their time and try to s- delay it as much as they can. We need to watch out for that. We need to be aware and maybe keep the pressure up, keep protesting, because I can definitely see them doing that. Um, and in that case, then, yeah, if this dude's out for two years before the trial, I have a problem with that. I think if, if he's out for a month or two or a few months, and he posted the bail, that's fine. But if he gets like two, two, three years out, that trial shouldn't take that long to start. That should definitely not take that long to start. There's also questions about was there beef between George Floyd and Derek, Derek Chauvin? Like apparently like they worked together at the nightclub back in the day. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, but more has come out. A former worker there said that they bumped heads over how Chauvin was treating the the customers there, being a little too physical, which if you watch the video, you can see he does look like he's a little too physical with people. So I could definitely see them bumping heads. I could definitely see that part being true. Uh, I'm going to wait for more information about that, though. But when you watch the video or the clip, I've seen clips. I didn't see the whole video. But when you hear about it and you see clips, it looked personal. It looked like he was taking some anger out on George Floyd from what from the very little that I've seen. But, yeah, if you're on somebody for that long, that's definitely personal. So hopefully they look into that. Uh, I don't know if you can put the hate crime charge on there. Maybe maybe you could throw it. But he did. The charge did get up from third degree murder to second degree, which is a good thing. I'm not sure what the penalty for second degree is. I know the third degree was a maximum of 25 years in jail. Not sure about the second, but it's it's a small victory. I know a lot of people want first degree. Uh, I probably wouldn't go for the first degree because that's going to be a harder one to prove. You have to prove that it was like premeditated, and that's going to be harder to prove. Like you, I'm not saying you can't. You could probably still prove it, but it's harder. So, Second degree is probably what we will end up with and I'm going to, I think there's a 80 to 85% chance he gets convicted. I'm only going to say there's 15% that he doesn't just because of the, the history has shown us that most of these police officers are never punished. So there is a chance that he doesn't get convicted, but I think there's a strong chance he, he's convicted. Also, have you guys heard about Minnesota or Minneapolis voting the council members voting to dismantle the police department. This was like a big deal on um, freaking social media last weekend. A lot of people were like going crazy over it. At first, I was like, what does this mean? Like, they're just going to have a city with no police. But the more I read into it, kind of makes sense. Kind of makes sense, and I think I agree with it. Uh, basically, what, what I've gathered 
is when you when you dismantle the police department, you're destroying everything and you're rebuilding. So everybody gets fired and you're basically starting over from scratch and you kind of figure out what you want to do going forward, how you want to police your city. Uh, a, a, a good example of this is Camden, New Jersey. So I read about this too. Apparently Camden, New Jersey dismantled their whole police department in 2013. And then they started over. Everybody got fired. Everybody had to reapply, get rehired. It was a harder hiring process, different requirements, different trainings. In addition to bringing the police department back, they also allocated funds that went towards, you know, the communities and rebuilding these neighborhoods, uh, focusing on mental health issues that are within the community. Because a lot of times you have a call when the police are called, they're coming out and you're, you're dealing with somebody who has mental health, but these police officers aren't equipped to deal with that. So they're coming out here and they're trying to police and they're not really equipped for whatever situation they're walking into. And that's a lot of times how you end up with people being shot, um, unarmed people being shot, uh, police brutality. Like all they know is arrest. If you resist, we shoot or we use force. But they don't know, okay, maybe this guy has a disability. Maybe something's wrong with him. They don't know how to handle those situations. So it seems like when they say dismantle, they want to bring people in who know how to handle those situations in a nonviolent way, people who know how to de-escalate. And I believe that's probably a better way of policing. I'm not going to say you don't need any police because you definitely do need somebody with the strap on them. Like, you can't have a city with no police, with nobody with a gun, because they will get taken over. So you do need police, but you also need these guy, these specialists in other fields who can handle situations. Like, if somebody calls the police, or if somebody's calling and saying, hey, there's a guy running around talking crazy and he's naked. Like, do you need to bring a police officer with a gun for that? For a naked man who, like... We know he ain't got no weapon on him. The only weapon he got is, you already know, pause, but I don't know if you need that much. You need to bring somebody with a gun and force, maybe maybe bring just the baton. I don't know. Maybe bring somebody who can de-escalate. Now, if you're running around naked, you probably ain't going to be able to talk him down. So you might need to bring somebody who can kind of get him under control but you should never walk into that situation thinking you need to shoot that person. Like a naked person should not pose a threat to where you think you need to shoot them. Fam, they are naked. <laughs> they ain't got much. They definitely don't have a gun. Like if you can't take him with the baton, not his baton, your baton. If you can't take him with the baton, then there's a problem. So yeah, bring him. And then I also think you got to bring mental health professionals with you when you go out to some of these calls maybe you should have somebody riding in the car with the police officer who's equipped to talk to the people who can try to de-escalate before there's any type of force needed so i think when they talk about dismantling these departments they're trying to rebuild them with stuff like that and i'm all for that i saw a lot of people freaking out a lot of people thought oh my god we're not gonna have police blue lives matter what are we gonna do bro we ain't saying no police we're just saying Let's get some professionals. Let's get people who know what they're doing for different situations. 
You can't have a police as the response to every single thing. Like, think about that. That is the response in this country to every single call, bring the police. That's why you had elementary school kids getting arrested at school because the answer to them acting up in class was called the police. We got to rethink how we do policing in America. We got to rethink how we want to do this going forward. What, uh, what means we want to use, you know, what funds, where the funds are allocated. We got to, we got to rethink everything. And I think this is a great time to start having that conversation. And I believe everybody needs to be open, open to the change. Uh, Camden did it. Like I said, I, Camden, I actually worked in Camden, New Jersey in 2011. I worked there for like maybe a month because I was, I was living in Philly at the time. So I was mapping Camden. So I had to go over there like every day. I drive over the bridge um, and I go back, go back home, come back. So I saw Camden in 2011 and it was rough. It was one of the worst cities I had ever seen in my life. Uh, boarded up houses, like blocks, just nobody living on a whole block. All the houses boarded up. Graffiti everywhere, uh, trash, homelessness, drugs, drug dealers, everything. I saw it all. So to hear that they've changed it and turned it around, I mean, it's still not a perfect city. They still have crime, of course, but the crime is down. They said the crime has been going down every year since they rebuilt the police department. Um, they put more money into the neighborhoods, which which what we said. When you put more money into the neighborhoods, you're not going to have as many people in poverty. You're not going to have as many people desperate. People feeling like they have to commit a crime. So let's we can all learn from Camden. And then if you guys don't know much about it, I encourage you to do your research. A lot of people are wondering, wondering can all this work? Only time will tell. But I, I think it's worth a try. I think it's worth a try because the old way is not working. The way we've been policing does not work. As we see, there's always unarmed people who are getting shot. Uh, we got people getting beat down. We got brutality. And I think one thing I will say, if we learned anything, like if you watch the protests, I believe wholeheartedly that a lot of reasons those riots happened was because of the, the police presence. In the beginning, those, those protests was peaceful. People came out there. They were respectful. They were, they were chanting and, you know, marching, but I didn't see violence until the police came out there and started throwing tear gas and started shooting people with rubber bullets and, and spraying people and doing all of that. Once that stuff started happening, I feel like the protesters fought back and that's when it became about looting and rioting and violence. And I thought the police presence caused that. So, yeah, I, I believe... When you have too much police, it's over-policing going on. And what I mean by over-policing is you're, you're harassing people for the small things. Oh, your music's too loud. Oh, why are you out here walking on this block? Like, it's a lot of unnecessary things that you're harassing people for. And I think that's when we have the problems. So I'm all about dismantling or defunding these police forces because a lot of times they're only in these bad neighborhoods. Well, they're mostly in the bad neighborhoods and they're causing more good than bad in these neighborhoods. Yes. You keep them safe, but you also start a lot of stuff. So maybe we just need to go, go without 
police in these neighborhoods for a little bit or, or scale it back, scale it back. We don't need them there harassing, you know, call. If you're called, you can come through, you can drive around, do your little drive bys, but you shouldn't be there just randomly stopping people and bothering people. I think that part needs to stop. And speaking of the riots, um, I want to talk about my friend Latoya Ratliff. We, we talked about her last week on the show, and I, I told y'all how she was actually struck by a rubber bullet in her face in uh, Fort Lauderdale. You know, I reached out to her. We, we've been texting a little bit. Um, she's a fan of the show, too. So if you're listening, hi, Toy. Uh, I read up a little bit more on her story, and, man, it, it's really bad. Like, they got more video of the incident now that has been released. And what you can see is she's, she's walking and she's like in between somebody who threw something, but trying to kind of be the peacemaker. And she's staying in, in between a protester and then the police officer. And then the, the police officer just sh- shoots her with the rubber bullet. And then she falls and they, they pick her up and they help and they carry her like, other protesters, not the police, of course, because they just, you know, once they do it, they act like nothing happened. Just like they did with the guy in Buffalo where they pushed him over and just walked by him like nothing happened. So it was it was really hard to watch again. But there there is more footage out there to show like more of the story and how it happened for those who probably are wondering, oh, well, what did you do? Like, you know, there's always somebody out there that's asking, what did you do? In this point, she in this case, she didn't do anything like she was just a victim. And that is part of the reason I say we have over policing and in these protests where you're out here protesting and then they are coming at you with the violence. And then of course, when you come at somebody with violence, you shouldn't be surprised when you receive violence. So yeah, when they start tear gassing people and people start throwing stuff at them, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get wild. But in her case, she didn't do any of that. She didn't throw anything. She was just standing there, and they shot her with the rubber bullet. Thankfully, it was a rubber bullet and not a real bullet because she probably wouldn't even be here today if it was a real bullet. So uh, thankful that she's still here, man. Uh, Toy, I hope you feel better. I know you said you're still recovering. Uh, I'm praying for you every night. I'm praying your eyesight returns to full full strength and uh, praying that you get the justice you, you deserve from the, from the, I believe it was the Fort Lauderdale Police Department. I, I, I pray they're held accountable. Uh, they need to go to whoever did it definitely needs to be brought up on charges. He needs to be fired. Uh, never allowed to work for another police department again. And probably required to take some type of training, some type of counseling or something. Cause for you to do something like that, bro, there's something wrong with you. There's something in your heart and that needs to be addressed. So prayers out to the toy man and uh, prayers out to the, to the guy in Buffalo too. The guy who, like I said, he was a 75 year old man and they just pushed him down. Like it was nothing. And then the crazy part is they push him down. He falls and hits his head. He's bleeding. And the cops kind of like stand over him and start yelling. Like they're pissed at him. And it's like, bro, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> they're yelling at him. And then they just, Walk away after that because a couple of cops pulled him away. Like, yo, chill, chill. You guys are wilding. And then they walk away, but they leave him. And apparently he was 
Uh, Trump is trying to say he's part of he could have been part of Antifa, which they're like I said, they try to destroy a character. But he was a, a, a Catholic peace activist. His name is Martin. Uh, Martin. G- G- Gugino, maybe I don't know. I'm not great with names. G-U-G-I-N-O. And yeah, beloved Catholic and peace activist. And he was walking up to them, trying to talk to them, and they pushed him. Uh, so that was on video. Those officers were suspended, I believe, or they fired. I believe they were suspended. And they got suspended, and then the rest of their group got pissed that they got suspended. So they resigned. But they didn't resign from being police. They resigned from that special force that they were on and got assigned to something else. So after that, uh, everybody was mad about that. And then, of course, where I live, Florida. Florida going Florida. So, oh, they were charged with assault, but it was on Saturday. And, of course, it didn't happen until after the video was released. And they were suspended and charged with assault. So in Florida, our police force over here in Brevard County was like, hey, if you guys, basically they did the, the Suge Knight speech. Like, if you don't like, what your, what your police chief is doing all in the video, dancing in the background, come to Brevard. But they were like, if you don't like how you're being treated up there and you want to be able to beat up people and use brutality and do all this and not be scared of getting fired, come to our, our force. You guys will be fine. And then uh, they let it ride for like a day. Not even a day. Probably half a day. But it was so much backlash that the, the Brevard police chief had to like come on Facebook and was like, he had to do a press conference and everything. He was like, that wasn't me. That was a separate page from our, our real page. I guess it's a, another sheriff who runs that page. So he was running this other page and he said it. And then they ended up suspending him, which I thought was fair. Cause you're, you're speaking like you're speaking for the whole force, but you're not. And then the, the Brevard chief, the Brevard chief was like, basically like, yo, you're making the block hot for all of us. Um, and he said he was embarrassed by the post and he suspended the guy. Uh, and the guy, the page, it was, it was called the FOP that the page that it was posted on, which is the fraternal order of police. And the guy's name was Robert Gammon. And he was suspended, not fired though. Only suspended. And the thing he said was, he was like, hey, Buffalo 57 and Atlanta 6, uh, alluding to the, the 57 officers who uh, resigned, like I said, and then the 6 in Atlanta who used excessive force when they pulled the two college kids out of the car and tased them. He said, we're hiring in Florida. Lower taxes, no spineless leadership, or dumb mayors rambling on at a press conference. Plus, we've got your back. Law and order, Florida, move to where you are. So he said all that, and like I said, it was like the Suge Knight death row speech or the Suge Knight, what was it, the Source Awards when he was telling everybody to come to death row. He tried to go on there like that. And then <laughs> Buddy from Brevard, basically, uh, I think his name is Sheriff Wayne Ivey. Yeah, Sheriff Wayne Ivey had to come out and say, nah, nah, chill, chill, bro. We want, <laughs> You ain't talking for us. Settle down, beloved. You're making the block hot. So, you know, he had to suspend Buddy. And he had to come out and say something. But he's kind of getting some some heat, too, because here in Brevard, there was a guy killed at the detention center years ago, like two years ago, and there was tape of it. So 
people have been asking the re- for them to release that tape to find out what really happened, and he's yet to do that. So it ain't it ain't all all peaches and cream for Ivy either. And I guess when when Gammon made his thing, it, it made the block hot for Ivy. So now he's like, nah, bro, I ain't want that attention. So he's trying to like simmer things down, but it's not looking good for uh for him right now because now he's back in the news for that, and. Um, what else? I don't know. Oh, one more thing before I go, because I'm going to have to cut this short. I'm not even going to get to all my topics. I thought I was going to do an hour because, you know, I like to ramble. Did you guys do the blackout Tuesday thing? Uh, They had this thing where, where you were supposed to make like an all black picture for your page on uh Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It was last Tuesday. It was called blackout Tuesday. Or was it two Tuesdays ago? It was two Tuesdays ago, I believe. So I did it. Um, and basically it was like the music industry who started it, where it was like, don't don't download music, don't do anything, go silent for the day. And we all went along with it. And looking back on it, I gotta ask, uh, did we get finessed? Did we get finessed? I think we might have gotten finessed. Uh I I in the moment it sounded like a good idea, but when we did it. And looking back, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I thought we were kind of taken away from the Black Lives Matter movement by not sharing information for a day and staying silent on issues. And I'm wondering, like, was it like a higher power that got us all riled up to do that? And then when we did it, now they're all happy because our message was kind of silenced. So... I want y'all to think about that next time they they tell us to do something like that. Because, yes, it sounds like we're all there in unity, in unison, and we're all together for one cause. But it might not be the right move, man. It might not. And we might have been finessed. I know y'all all, most of y'all probably did the same thing, too. So, y'all let me know what you think. Did we get finessed or was that the right thing to do? Personally, Looking back at it now, if I had to do it again, I wouldn't have did it. I think it was probably not the right move. Uh, but it was something we learned from. Something we learned from. And it did get the ball rolling. It got people talking. Uh, that's the only good thing that's coming out of all this is the conversation's going on. Man. The conversation's going on. The conversation's continuing to go on. Uh, this happened two weeks ago with George Floyd. A little, a little more than two weeks ago. So we're still, it's still very prevalent in, in the news. So I'll say that, man. Some, something good came from it. Like, we're still talking about it. We just can't let it die. Like, we got to keep talking about not only George Floyd, but Breonna Taylor, uh, Tatiana Jefferson, um, Ahmaud Arbery, all the others, Eric Garner, just the others who didn't get justice and the ones we're still fighting for justice. So. I'll leave y'all with that. I'm about to go meet up with some friends at this brewery over here. Um, this this was a little a little shorter than I thought. Well, not shorter, but I didn't get to all the topics. So you know what? I'm gonna come back later today, and I'm gonna do another episode just to knock out some more of these topics. Because like I said, I got 32 topics, and I only did one, two, three, four. I did four. <laughs> I only got to four of my topics on my sheet. So I'll come back on the next one. And I want to talk a little bit more in depth 
about Black Lives Matter and why people don't understand that. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to leave you guys with some music. This is a song by my friend Carlos. He goes by the name Los Acey. Uh, this song is called Got Soul. Oh, and I also want to say Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence is available now on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all of the streaming apps. Because I know some of y'all think it's only on SoundCloud, and it's not. It's it's everywhere. So if you have, like, a podcast app you use, just type in Jared Lawrence, and uh, the show will come up, and maybe it will make it easier for you guys to listen to it that way. Um, I'll be back. But like I said, I'm going to leave you with Got Soul by my boy Los AC. Check it out on check him out on YouTube. He has a lot of music up there. I went to college with him at Temple University. I met him like my senior year and we just stayed in touch, man. Really cool dude. His name's Carlos. Uh and I think he makes really good music. So I told him once I started doing this podcast again, I was going to start playing his stuff cuz I want people to hear it. So this is Got Soul by Los AC and I will be back on here later to talk to you. It only gonna bring us closer More dedication to the grind now DOA don't never hold us I'm on the vibe, can you feel it though? We come alive when the weather rolls They condition like leavings, no We gon' get it, yeah, you know that I believe in more Tryna burn a whole field, roast No limits when we peel, ghost From the east to the west coast We ain't saying much, you know we tryna do the most Oh, I be getting it in Tryna take this where it ain't been me and Chill ain't never been friends, nah, nah, I just keep it on 10 I will be needing that go, uh, and these dreams been yagging me, oh, uh About 400 years, a whole lot of tears Highs to the low, so you know that we got so, so, so 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 We got a ball of problems, ain't drowning them with no bottles Feel the stain, the rain, it always follows That stains the pain, you can't wobble It's like them pills you can't swallow, mm. No chillin' till we all play I just wanna free the new slaves We been going in a whole place Tryna burn away the old days Cause in this game you don't get saves I'ma keep it lit just in case we ever do cave Light up in the pit cause you know that it will do things Yeah, need a force just to move things Oh, I be getting it in Tryna take this where it ain't been me and Chill ain't never been friends, nah, nah, I just keep it on 10 I will be needing that go, uh, and these dreams been yagging me, oh, uh About 400 years, a whole lot of tears Highs to the low, so you know that we got so, so, so 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 We got